0: Former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia said, Devout Christians are destined to be regarded as fools in modern society. We are fools for Christ's sake. We must pray for courage to endure the scorn of the sophisticated world. Boy, I can attest to that. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my lovely and sophisticated wife, Nikki. (laughs) And we're so thankful you guys are joining us today. And if this is your first time here, uh, don't let the name fool you. We are very religious. Uh, Typically, what we try to do is just walk through the news, um, look at the world around us and try to figure out how Christians can live a life that's pleasing to God in this uh, secular and religionless world. And um, that's what we're going to try to do today, looking at some of the news uh, we got a couple of new stories from the Christian world that we think are pretty important. And then for the Bible topic today, we're going to just discuss some of the points that uh, were brought up when I was on Tom Jumps' YouTube channel uh, during the interview there. That and I just should
1: have been on with him. Should have been on, but we're
0: going to just readdress <laughs> those here. And that's going to be our episode. We'll finish with our sermon recommendation as always. Um, But before we get to all of that, do you have anything you'd like to say?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yesterday was our 17-year anniversary.
0: 17 years. Wonderful years. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Couldn't be happier. Yay. And if you really want to celebrate with us, consider dropping a like, subscribe to the channel, follow. Um, We have some links down in the show notes if you'd like to just, you know hit your wagon to us and, uh, help support the channel. We would very much appreciate that. Um, as far as prayer requests for me, uh, depending on what time you're watching this, Colorado state may very well be right in the middle of getting throttled in their very first college football game of the season because they're playing my Michigan Wolverine. So pray for the Colorado state football team. And if it doesn't turn out that way, I might be crying in a corner somewhere right now, um, depending on what time you've watched this. So maybe pray for us too, depending on what the score looks like of that game.
1: Pray for him because I don't care.
0: Um, She doesn't care, but I do. (laughs) I I wish I didn't.
1: I have to care for him. What's that, that saying? Us is more important than you or me. Yes. So that's good marriage advice I've always held on to. You just do things with your spouse. Support them in things, even if it's not important to you, because it's good for your marriage. That's just right. hold their hand while... It, I just hold his hand while he's watching a game to support him.
0: <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, do things with your spouse. Even if you don't like him. I think that's worthwhile. Even
1: if you don't like your spouse?
0: <laughs> even if you don't like your spouse, <laughs> that's what it for sure. sounded certain, like. <laughs> for either way, if you don't like your spouse or the activity, just do it and walk in love. Um, <laughs> because we are called to... Um, love our spouse, but we're not called to like so we've said this, I think, maybe in our marriage episode. I want to get it out right. You don't have to be in love to get married to a person, but you have to love the person that you've married, if you understand that distinction. And it helps you to love that person if you can just sort of be involved in their life, not gripe and complain, just do the things that make them happy and then find joy in what they find joy in. So like, I like watching football. So Nikki watches football with me. Um, Nikki likes watching football with me because it (laughs) makes me happy. So I just watch more football.
1: I made him go for a walk with me today. (laughs) He hated it because the gnats just, they go after him and he's just swatting his arms the whole time and like fuming. And I'm like, wasn't this romantic?
0: (laughs) No, we live in Florida. It's a thousand degrees outside. I'm sweating.
1: No, it was cloudy. It was actually no. really pleasant.
0: <laughs> it's never been pleasant here. Anyways, we're happy you guys are here. Just pray for us. It sounds like we need a lot. Um, but we do got a lot to get to, so we're going to try to get to it. So we're not keeping you guys here for too long. But we do want to make sure we get our uh, requisite plugs out of the way here. So, of course, Team Cardinal, Cardinal Contingency Solutions, they're in the show notes. Please go give them a call, especially in light of what we're going to talk about here today in a little diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, Make sure your messaging is on point uh, when these uh, antichrist folks come knocking on your door and demanding you answer questions. Make sure you are prepared to answer them appropriately and Cardinal can get you there. Um, Also, We are very proud members of the Christian podcast community. You know that Mm -hmm. our sermon recommendation is coming from the Christian podcast community. So if you have not uh, gone and subscribed to that channel yet, you can find them on all major podcast platforms out there. And the beauty is you just subscribe to the Christian podcast community and you get access to over like 60 Christian podcasts. So it's just kind of a one-stop shop. And you can find we're on there, obviously, happy to be there, but a lot of great podcasts as we're going to highlight at the end of the show in our sermon recommendations. So a bunch mm-hmm. of good stuff there, a bunch of smart, passionate Christians there. And oh, I'll say throw up a prayer here. Our uh, dear leader at the Christian podcast community, I'm sure he loves being called that, uh, Andrew Rappaport. He's sort of, uh, you know, he's not really in charge there. But somebody's got to be a figurehead there, and that's who he is at the Christian Podcast Community. Sounds like he just sort of is recovering from an injury. So uh, keep Andrew in your prayers, godly man, a great resource for all of us podcasters here, and we hope he is doing well, recovering, and uh, getting back to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So that is... All we got. All right, let's do this appropriately because we have some nightmarish news to get to. Spencer's
1: favorite part.
0: All right, brace yourself, gird up your loins, Uh, steal your soul as we get ready to take our weekly trek through the valley of the shadow of death. Take a look at the news of the week. You know, I get so worked up wanting to get that out that I almost like I know you to do. get to the news, I mean, that I almost run right past it.
1: You're like really giddy when it comes to that part. I am because it's
0: important <laughs> because the news we discuss 90% of the time makes your eyes water and your heart beat fast. Um, and I really want to talk about it because I think it's important. Um, Saying you you cry? No, I think one of those gnats gets in my eye. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so this first story that we have here, like I said, they're both going to be from the Christian realm today, and you guys may have seen this, but do you want to read that headline, honey?
1: Pastor Matt Chandler takes leave of absence over inappropriate Instagram messages with woman.
0: Yep. So that was some pretty big news today. Um, do you want to, or this week? I'm sorry. Do you want to just read the first paragraph there?
1: Matt Chandler, lead pastor of teaching at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, assured his congregation Sunday that he planned on being their lead pastor for the next 20 years, but had accepted a decision by his elder board to immediately take a leave of absence due to his use of inappropriate language in Instagram messages to a woman who is not his wife. Yep. And after reviewing the situation, the village church elders concluded that while the inappropriate messages did not rise to the level of disqualification, they, along with Chandler, agreed that his behavior was a sign of unhealth in his life and that the best course of action would be for him to take a leave of absence from teaching and preaching at the village church. Another one?
2: Uh, Yeah, let me see if I can't find it here. Yeah, you can go ahead and read it.
1: Okay. In this case, while the messages were not romantic or sexual in nature, the frequency and familiarity of the messages crossed a line. They revealed that Matt did not use language appropriate for a pastor, and he did not model a behavior that we expect from him. We are strong proponents of brothers and sisters in Christ being friends, but there are boundaries around what's appropriate in these kinds of friendships.
2: Yep. And uh, I think he ends there saying uh, a pastoral role requires
0: a greater awareness of those boundaries. That was what uh, kind of one of the elders said there. Um, And then they kind of ended also saying like the elder or it goes on and says the elder said the lead pastors leave of absence is both disciplinary and developmental to allow him time to focus on Mm -hmm. growing greater awareness in this area. And um, we just want to highlight one more, um, or also we'll touch on this one here first. So, also, in addition to him being placed on leave from the village church, which he is the lead pastor of, uh, Acts 29, which is sort of the church planting ministry that he was um, leading, has also suspended him over that. Uh, I think it says down here that the Global Church Planning Network, Acts 29, said it has asked the president and chairman of their board, Matt Chandler, to step aside from Acts 29 speaking engagements, following a decision by the village church in Flower Mound, Texas, to suspend him over his inappropriate communication with a woman who is not his wife on Instagram. And then it says, um, Acts 29 Prioritizes personal integrity and holds our leaders to a high standard of conduct. So that was sort of Matt Chandler's week. Not a great week. Um, But it's big news in the Christian world. I mean, I'm sure most of you guys are at least familiar with Matt Chandler and heard his name. Uh, He's a lead pastor. That village church in Flower Mound has over 10,000 members. Um, He's written a whole bunch of books. Obviously, he's the lead you know, uh, chairman of Acts 29, which has planted a bunch of churches. Um, So he's a big name in American Christianity.
1: I know, I I recognize his name, I think more as an author, but I can't recall any book I read, but it could have been in like, a small group we were in and some other church. Like that's yeah. just why his name was familiar to me. Right.
0: And also his name came up, you know, we did all the reviews on rise and fall of Mars that's, Hill. His yeah, name came up frequently in there because of too. acts 29. That's what it was. So again, very, um, you know, influential if you want to say that word, but very well known, very prominent Christian pastor in America. Yeah.
1: Spencer's really good at remembering names and where he heard them. I'm not, that great at that. <laughs>
0: yeah, but if you ask me where it says a verse in the Bible, I'm like, I don't you know. It. I remember all the useless stuff. Um, I don't know why. It's just the way I am. But the story that we wanted to attach to this, because I thought it just so greatly summed up at least some of our thoughts. Not all of them, but some of our thoughts on this matter. And we're just going to read them. I'm not going to find them in here. I'll show you guys the story, but it comes from Christianity Today. Do you want to read that headline, honey?
1: Stop applauding pastors who publicly confess their sins.
0: Yes. That's right. Stop applauding pastors who publicly uh, confess their sins. So in the article, it starts, he says, in the accounts of Chandler's actions, I looked for one thing and sure enough, saw that after he confessed to his congregation, the church gave him an ovation. Another pastor stood to define the narrative by telling them what their ovation meant. And then congregants gave Chandler another round of applause.
1: Oh my God.
0: And the uh, writer of that Christianity Today story, he goes on and he says, I'm annoyed at this response. I'm an old codger. So I'm authorized to do get off my lawn rants. And when did it become appropriate to give standing ovations to those who have committed disqualifying or near disqualifying sins in ministry, mm-hmm. and he later he goes on, um, and I think this is kind of the big point of what he's getting at here. With you know even the headline there of stop applauding, because he says when a church leader stands to confess sin, it's a time for lament and mm-hmm. a time for tears. Repentance requires honesty, humility, and sorrow, not managing appearances. Controlling the narrative or hiding the facts. Mm-hmm. And
1: there's a time for sorrow. Well, cl- yes, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Like, there's a time to rejoice. There's a time to mourn. This is a time to mourn. And people need to learn the difference. Like, mourn over your sin, mourn over something sad. This is sad. This isn't a rejoicing, applauding. No. It's not a celebration. No clapping.
0: Do you want to read the next little bit from here? Uh, we just pulled these paragraphs out. I'm not going to scroll through. I mean, these articles will be in the show notes. Please go give them a read. I think it's worth your time. But um, yeah, if you want to just read the next like two paragraphs or so.
1: The fall often lies more with leadership than with congregants. These confessions are often staged with the fallen pastor in the best possible light. Facts are hidden. The full story isn't told the blame gets shifted to someone else. Excuses are made. All told, the pastor or church leaders control the story to cast the confession in a heroic light.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is what Matt Chandler's story sounds like when you read through it, you know. He mentions he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he told his wife and she was okay with it. Um, so it sounds just like this old <laughs> codger writing the story says. Um, that it's you know those rigid old elders that are just making this a story, and he just simply he doesn't sound very repentant, right? Um, with sort of his excuse making, but the article does go on. So if you want to just read the last couple paragraphs here,
1: it's textbook manipulation. Unfortunately, in many megachurches and elsewhere too, people are conditioned to see their pastor in near godlike terms. So, when he confesses a sin, they jump to a redemptive narrative and respond with enthusiastic applause. But it has to stop. We should not applaud confessions of sin. Ovations serve no spiritual purpose, and in these situations, especially, they only cause hurt and harm. A sinner is genuinely repentant, he doesn't want applause. If he isn't genuinely repentant, he doesn't deserve it. In most cases, a church has been given only a part of the story or a sanitized version of it typically the one most favorable to the pastor.
0: Yeah, so pretty uh, harsh criticism coming from the old codger here. What's his name? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Dave Miller, I think. But I agree in large part with what he just said there. Um, I certainly do.
1: I agree, too. Just that I was thinking when people applaud others who come out of the closet with any You know, shameful thing. It's like they see them as being brave and people love honesty. And, you know, in our culture, especially when it's shameful, and the congregation is obviously, I'd say, conditioned to celebrate sin coming out. And it doesn't matter if he confessed it as sin or not, they would have applauded his bravery. And I think I've mentioned this story before when we had a pastor step down because of misusing church funds. I remember one of the girls in the congregation said, "Can't we just forgive him and, and he can stay?" And I was thinking, like, this is kind of idolatry, you know, like that god-like you know position that they hold them in, and it's, it's disregarding God's word. Uh, discipline is necessary, and the congregation should have shown their, their sorrow over his sin by not applauding him. Yeah, and they could. You know, they could email him or write a letter and admonish him as a, a brother, though. I mean, at least he was repentant, but he needs to be disciplined and they need to recognize that. And I just hope that his confession over this will will really be useful, at least even if he's not being honest, it can still convict others of how serious of an issue that this is for anyone. It's not just pastors that should be, that should not be Private messaging the way he did. But this is for every person to learn from.
0: Yeah, no, and I think we've probably even said this before here. And uh, we heard a pastor years ago, um, Michael Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Love that pastor. You know, he made the point probably 15 years ago now that a husband and wife should only have one friend of the opposite sex, and that's their spouse. So I should only have one female friend, and that's Nikki. She should have one male friend, and that's me. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have acquaintances and I don't know, you know, my husband or my, my husband, my friends, wives, and she knows her friends, husbands, but that's an acquaintance, right? Like we shouldn't be friends where I'm like Matt Chandler here, long Instagram messaging or going to hang out alone. That's inappropriate.
1: Right. Our culture teaches that that's okay. Even like a Christian show they were watching, I think it was when we, right when we switched over to... Flicks though. I didn't like how the situation was where the girl ended up with the guy that she had a crush on, but this boy, she was always friends with. She was like, you'll always be my best friend. And I was like, no, yeah, terrible. you message. won't. Sorry, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, and I think that's important for Christians and let alone a pastor, right? That takes it to a whole nother level where you've got to be more disciplined, but Like you said, I mean, they would absolutely um, applaud those who share their sin. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, it's almost like
0: we're desperate to prove that everyone is just as screwed up and sinful as we are. Yeah. And then as soon as they do prove that they're screwed up like us, we just shower them with praise. I can't help but think it's maybe like subconsciously applauding ourselves because we recognize, well, I'm just not that bad then if the pastor's doing it, you know,
1: It is. It's still like a pride over sin. It's the same thing. Instead of sorrow over it, weeping with those who weep. Like, if he was weeping over his sin, they should be weeping with him and not encouraging him not to weep. They're trying to, like, make him feel better, you know?
0: Yeah, like, again, sounds like they're just sort of pitting it on the elders. You Mm. know, we love you, Matt. Like, those elders, they stink. They (laughs) don't get it, you know? Because they're not on the stage preaching, right? you know, so, people don't have the same affection for them. But again, if you're a Christian and you understand church, the way it's organized, the way it should be running, then you should have a lot of faith and confidence in your elders to be doing what right. elders exist for. That's the reason yes. for elders. But
1: when I'm just looking at the, the picture on the screen, you pull up again. I just looked at it and I thought, it looks like they're worshiping him.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, that could be you just to- because
1: the, um, you know, the, what it says on the top with the picture.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if that's actually a picture from their church. Yeah. You don't know, it but I'm like, uh, anywhere, yeah, but, that doesn't look good. Uh, but no, I mean, I certainly agree with the, uh, the writer there, Dave Miller, the old codger on his <laughs> point. Um, but one other point that I think makes me happy about this Matt Chandler story. Uh, and I don't want to say happy because I don't not happy that it happened to Matt Chandler. Um, But I'm happy that church discipline was enacted. Yes. Um, Again, I hope Matt Chandler really finds repentance. Mm -hmm. Um, I do pray that he comes back stronger in his faith. I pray you guys, or I ask that you guys would pray for him as well. Um, But I'm happy to see a church hold their pastor to such a high standard. Um,
1: This could have just been swept aside. And it probably
0: maybe even was for a time. Maybe they noticed it and went man, should we say something?
1: It makes me you know, so upset because... It's not clearly
0: in, inappropriate, but it's pushing that line. Because
1: we know worse was going on in the church we went to, New Mexico, and family, you know, so many people knew about an ongoing affair. So many people knew about it and nobody said anything. It's because they worship him. They idolized him.
0: Right. And then Ugh. when all the stuff falls apart, right, they can still sort of play the victim. Like we saw this with Ravi Zacharias, right? you know everyone's kind of trying to pretend like they really had no idea what was going on and you're like come on man the dude's got 60 massage therapists in his room like
1: like with this so, situation like supposedly there wasn't even an affair or anything romantic going on but the woman's friend approached Matt Chandler months prior concerned
0: right and kudos to Matt Chandler because once he was approached by the woman He was like, I don't think there's anything wrong, but let me go to the elders and let them decide. So he brought this, he could have swept it under the rug. So, I mean, kudos to Matt Chandler, kudos to the elders. Like, Who
1: would be bold enough to go up to their pastor
0: Yeah, and just say,
1: I'm concerned, like, yeah, to that woman to say something.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's probably not uh, very highly thought of currently in her church, but she should be, (laughs) should be... uh, The entrance exam for a job. People might get
1: mad, like, "How dare you? Look what you did!" She should be be the village
0: church's new social media uh, (sighs) person, or whatever. But you know, I think you can see from the congregation, right? All the praise from the congregation side is saying we're perfectly fine with Matt Chandler being one of us, rather than what I think they should be doing is saying we need a role model. Like we need someone who is an imitator of Christ yeah. that is leading us in the way we should go. And I think truth be told, this should be a wake up call to all of us, um, but it should be a wake up call to Matt Chandler as well. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, because, you know, he comes out and he does this, the church is applauding and crying and probably begging for him to not leave. And we love you. I know. And I thought this might be, you know, just a thought, something <laughs> I was like. A church should just stage these events, um, just to see how your congregation reacts. Mm-hmm. Like, just have your pastor walk <laughs> out and just say they fell into some grievous sin, you know, like adultery, embezzlement. You
1: shouldn't really. Stage whatever me, it happens <laughs> to do,
0: like, and just see how your congregation handles it. And then if they stand up and they applaud you and beg you to come back, you should admonish them and be like, "What is wrong with you people? What have I been teaching you?" If you want some adulterous embezzler up here teaching you God's word, I have not been teaching you God's word, right? Um, obviously, you shouldn't have your. And then you might realize, lying, wow, they
1: idolize me. Like, to realize people idolize you, that would just make again, you want to step down. That should be down, an really. eye-opener
0: <laughs> for Matt Chandler going, why are they okay with me being less than a godly example? For- I mean, again, not that he's yeah. perfect. We know he's a sinner. We know he sins. But like in a situation like this, where the elders who have been put in place to make sure the pastor is watched over, cared for, and they're going, no, this is inappropriate. And you're just like, no, he's my pastor. I just want him. I only want to hear the word of God from him. I don't care what he does. Like
1: Like they don't care about his soul. Why? Are they even praying for him?
0: So huge um, thumbs up to whoever the lady was that brought it to his attention Kudos as well to Matt Chandler. It takes some chutzpah, if you will, to actually turn that into the elders. And then kudos to the elders here for actually enacting church discipline. Um, As we get into this next story here, you may see that might be a dying breed before too long. Um, But do you have any last thoughts here on um, Matt Chandler the church, what they did here before we kind of roll into our second news story. Mm
2: -mm.
0: Yeah, I just, I think it's a good story. I hope the outcome is positive for Matt Chandler. Again, I don't know him very much. I don't know his preaching. I don't know his stances biblically. Um, But, you know, he's, again, influential in America. If he was weak before, I hope maybe this bolsters his faith. Uh, I would, Yeah that's, that's what I would hope for. I will be praying for him. I hope you guys pray for him as well. So, um, the next story here though, on a church that most certainly did not handle it as well as the village church, Mm. maybe not unsurprisingly,
1: Yeah.
0: but, uh, this one comes from down under Australian (laughs) brothers. Um, I don't know if that was an Australian accent, (laughs) British, they all mixed together. So do you want to read that headline?
1: Hillsong Church purges global board to make room for div- diversity. Include at least 40% women.
0: Oh, yeah. Nothing says successful church growth like gutting your board to make room for diversity. Um, so do you want to just read these first two paragraphs, honey? So we're going to kind of just go through these paragraphs and just say what we have to say as we kind of go through this story, because there's a lot that we um, wanted to touch on here.
1: It says, Stephen Crouch, the accountant who replaced Brian Houston as chairman of Hillsong church in 2021 announced a raft of changes Tuesday meant to improve leadership in the denomination, including a purge of several directors from the church's global board to create a more diverse body that will be at least 40% women. Why not 50? They should be offended.
0: Oh, it will be. (laughs) It will be soon.
1: Uh, It says the Purge has left only five members standing on the global board, which church leaders plan to make a 10-member body after the update. I don't know how to say that name. Tolu?
0: Tolu Batters, maybe?
1: Tolu Batters, Hillsong, NYC's chief operating officer and executive pastor is the lone woman among the five.
0: Yep. So, um, already off to a good start with the uh, executive pastor of Hillsong NYC being scary. Uh, the woman. But, you know, I just, we read this and was like, boy, did this come in a hurry. You know, we just talked about diversity, inclusion, and equity coming for your churches. If you remember back, Uh, I'll try to find it and link it in the show notes, but that YouTube video where they were talking about how we've got to get diversity into the seminaries, you know, we talked about them racializing your churches, Um, and here it is, and it's starting with the disgraced Hillsong Church.
1: Well, that one girl, what was her name? I think she was like the Cuban girl. In oh, that, cat arm she was saying, "I know that she's of this mindset because she's like, she was pretty much saying, like, you can't understand the Bible or God without hearing from like every ethnic group. Which she's is like, because nonsense. this is your point of view and this is your culture's interpretation. That kind of stuff. Yeah, like, which is that's the nonsense. worst I'd ever heard was from her. But
0: but they're getting into that here at Hillsong, and um, I think the unrighteousness." in this church specifically, but in the church broadly, I think is what's going to give um, the godless, you know, diversity, inclusion, and equity crowd a foothold. Because Hillsong, as we've talked about previously, and I'm sure you guys have read and know about, um, they've been rampant in unrighteousness yeah. and unholy dealings, you know, from the top down, we've seen all, you know, Carl Lentz, even Brian Houston, right, resigning um, in disgrace in a sense. Um, But that sort of spiritual weakness has allowed the evil one to sort of get its clutches in, right? Because once the church starts unraveling, right, they're almost willing to cling to anything to hold on to what they got. Because Hillsong is massive. It's a global church, 150,000 attendees per week. Um, So this is, I mean, this isn't even the slippery slope, right? Like, they've slipped on the slope. And they're just tobogganing down it right now. Um, So the article goes on in here. Um, It says, he highlighted five recommendations that came out of the board review process. The completion of a clear transition of global senior pastor to provide needed clarity for the church. An updating of the board appointment and renewal process, including a global governance framework and accountability overseeing the development of a new strategic plan with clear goals and priorities and placing greater emphasis on trust culture and health in the church by starting with the board
1: wait wait wait. what's their what's i want to know what are their clear goals and priorities well like making sure 40 percent
0: women on the board seems like a clear goal what's the clear
1: goal for the board like well, I don't know. It's-
0: yeah. I mean, who they don't really dive into what the board is going to be doing, but, you know, me and Nikki were having this discussion about why do they have a board? What is this board's job? And You know, because really they're a global business, right? Hillsong is a business. It's yeah. a hundred million dollar business. Um, so boards, they govern the practice. They make sure essentially that the business is profitable. That's what they're- Profit. Yeah, their goal is now. I don't know what that means in a biblical sense, you know, unless they're trying to claim that they're somehow elders that are whatever. I don't know. But when I read that statement there, um, what it sounded like to me, it sounded like the Southern Baptist Convention after their sexual uh, sexual immorality scandal, because we talked then about um, how if you had the opportunity, if you were able to stand on your own two feet get away from the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, And obviously, I think now would be a good time with Hillsong if for whatever reason you're sitting in a Hillsong church and now is a good time to make for the exit. Um, Although the right time to leave Hillsong would have probably been years ago. But um, like the SBC here, we're seeing this. Your tithe dollars and your church support now instead of going to fund missions around the world, spread the gospel around the world, it'll be paying for this global governance, this framework and all this diversity inclusion and equity. That's what your tied dollars are going into now. Not reaching lost souls for Christ, it's to ensure this governance board because they're not going to be working for free, not at a 100 million dollar corporation. Yeah, it
1: said they're going, no they're going to have term limits.
0: They're going to have term limits or establishing these board of governors Making sure, because I would imagine you're going to have to have some level of diversity, inclusion, and equity office to ensure that you're adhering to diversity, inclusion, and equity, right? So if you think that this is going to stop here with Hillsong, I think you're going to be proven wrong.
1: Well, it's got to start with them and everybody at all all their churches are going to follow suit. Like, Hillsong's doing? We better get on board. That's how it's going to happen.
0: Well, right. I mean, certainly once one of the world leaders and, you know, churches, whatever they want to call wanna it.
1: If you want to up your numbers, you got to do what the other mega churches are doing. Yeah, you know?
0: I think that's they going to happen. from them. But I think a lot of that's going to happen, too, depending on how you are as a church. Um, because I think, you know, once you get into... Well, we'll touch on that here in a I don't minute. Know. God um, just
1: allows the wide road to get wider. Like you have to strive all the more because it's a very right. deceiving road. It's wide, but very deceptive. And what they think is good is really not good. And that's
0: why I think it's so important. You now, obviously Hillsong is not necessarily the SBC. They're different things. But like once you see these cracks coming, you know, rather than trying to stay around and be like, well, we're going to fix it and we're going to get involved and we're going to get the board a governor and we're going to get it back on the right track. Once you see Satan getting his hooks into something, I'm not saying you just bail right away, but man, the writing is on the wall, especially once the pastors and the leaders of this organization are signing off on it. You just, this is the death yeah. spiral. Like Hillsong mm-hmm. is massive. It's going to take a long time for them to be bled out. But I think you can start... Like right now, this is going to be sort of that start of them being bled to death, I would think. Um, and mm-hmm. then I just wanted to highlight this picture on here because uh, <laughs> I put this on Facebook and did get some pushback on it. But I thought, you know what? If this is what your global senior pastor looks like, um, that's probably a church that's dead already. Why is it um, a beanie? Because you're more concerned with what the world thinks of you. And, you know, this was the argument I got in on Facebook and stuff was like, oh, well, if you're focused on what he's wearing, then you're not focused on the word. And what that highlights to me is you're a guy who doesn't take what you're doing serious.
1: He looks like he's trying to look cool to the younger crowd. Like he's a distraction. Like, he know, people know how they're dressing, that it is. People are more like picking apart what you're wearing than listening to what you're saying, because it is odd. Yeah, it's a
0: very bizarre picture. That's Phil Dooley. I think he's there. And again, look, if you're like, well, my youth pastor wears a beanie and I'd have issues, but that's a youth pastor. But again, this is the global senior pastor for a $100 million 30 campus global church. Like, and again, you may call me a legalist you're a whatever that to me is a guy who doesn't take his position as a man of god a shepherd leading god's flock very serious uh it seems to me like someone like nikki said who's really trying to make the world think he's cool yeah. um so the article goes on though do you want to read that next paragraph honey Murray.
1: Marie- Baird, the former assistant commissioner of the Australian Charities and Not for Profits Commission, which began investigating the church in March to verify if it is compliant with Australian regulations governing the operation of charities, was a part of the Hillsong Church governance review process. Crouch said the selection of the new board members will now involve more people who will seek out candidates with desirable attributes, skills, including business business people experienced in governance as well as pastors experienced in the inner workings of global organizations like our church. He noted, however, that the number of pastors and church executives on the board would be kept to a maximum of 30% to ensure conflicts of interest are managed well.
0: (laughs) So the Hillsong Church board... As I said, basically, along with the Australian government that regulates the church, doesn't that sound wonderful, America? Um, They say that only 30% of the members of the church governance can be pastors. That's all that's allowed.
1: That's a maximum. That's a maximum. So it'll probably
0: be 10%. That's horrible. Again, because what they're saying is, nah, you're a corporation, right? So we need some business-minded folks in here.
1: That'd be so diverse. Yeah, We can't yeah, even get some have Business-minded
0: women in here to tell us how to run a church, because who knows how to run a church better than people that aren't pastors? So wow. that's pretty damaging. But again, this is what Hillsong is signing off on. Yeah. So they're partnering, partnering with the Australian government. Again, because of their shortcomings, because of their moral failings as a church and their leadership, this is what you see happen. I'm just going to basically bend over backwards to appease the man so that we can keep our doors open. Yeah. Um, Again, to a lesser point, we saw this even in our country, right? With COVID we'll bend over backwards so that the government doesn't look at us too hard. Um, And it's shameful. So Mm. uh, he goes on in here and he says, along with targets for greater gender diversity, So this is what they're looking for. Along with targets for greater gender diversity, Crouch said the church would also seek to become more diverse in age, geography, and racial background to create a board that is more reflective of our church community. Board members will also be subject to term limits. So again, Hillsong Church, along with the Australian government, which is super socialist, um, I mean, their COVID mandates and lockdowns were outlandish, but they're deciding um, really to comply with diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, And again, because they're so compromised, um, because of their own sin and their own shortcomings, they're just going to have to bend over backwards, right? That's what they're saying. And you'll be lucky, like Nikki was saying if there's even 30% pastors on this board, I think you'll be lucky if there's a man left on this board when it's all said and done. And I would be stunned if by the next year or two, maybe the next term limit, there wasn't some LGBTQ people.
1: Well, if they make up the church community, then they have to have them on there because it has to reflect the church community. If they're inclusive yeah, um, and to say, oh, they can come and you know they're saved, although they still identify and are proud of it. Yeah, they're going to.
0: Yeah, because again, Satan has his hooks and you think he's just going to go, well, you got that one Beth Moore on the board. She's pretty solid, but we'll just... No, man, he's going to come and he's going to drain every ounce of Christianity, godlessness, or godliness that's in that place. So I would be stunned if you don't see some, uh, you know... LGBTQ diversity coming Hillsong's way before too long. You know
1: it. It's already.
0: They're going to have their LGBTQ outreach director.
1: Words here.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. Um, Do you want to read that next paragraph here? Uh,
1: It was recommended that the handling of complaints against pastors would be improved by reframing the process away from being a discipline restoration for pastors to. Being an inquiry into the fitness of the pastor and forming a new body within the church to handle complaints relating to credentialed pastors.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, at least when I read it, that's crazy. I think that's essentially the Australian government recommending that Hillsong stop using Matthew 18. Just disregard Christ's teachings on church discipline, but rather. Use your own resources to build in more bureaucracy, which is not too, too surprising that you would go to the government and what would be their solution? Bureaucracy. Uh, so rather than church discipline, that's biblical, we're going to ask you to inquire about a pastor's fitness.
1: Okay, what do they mean? Plain fitness? Like- which I don't even,
0: I think- because you would have inquired and you would have determined their fitness to be a pastor before they became a pastor. Right?
1: Fit or unfit, yeah. You would
0: have held them up, again. But if you're going dis- to dismiss Matthew 18, then you're probably going to dismiss Timothy and Titus, with your pastoral qualifications. So maybe you have no idea who's being your pastor. And you're like, oh, man, that dude yeah. that we just hired as pastor has no idea what he's doing. Why would you
1: want to be going to a church? Be- like? You don't know; they're not held to a higher standard. Like that's so dangerous.
0: But again, if you already have, you know, women leading the New York Hillsong campus, you probably have already dismissed but any
1: pastor that's uh, okay. biblical
0: standard for like, pastor, anyways. So
1: right, but knowing that your pastor is okay with not being held accountable to God's word. Why would you trust him at all? Why would you well, still go there would if you this know even this is... would
0: sound like a good idea to you? I mean, again, Australia's a socialist place, so they love themselves from government. But when has government bureaucracy ever really been what solved an issue? You know what we really need here? Another, you know, government agency to really look into something. That's not... The church discipline is God-given for handling a church. But what's crazy is the government is really going to drive the nail into killing Hillsong. But Hillsong's letting themselves be killed. They're signing off on this with the government. Again, because of their own recklessness, because of their own sinful behaviors, they've let this in. It's shameful. It's crazy. But this is what happens, I think, when you allow sin to enter in. Um, Man you don't really have that truth to stand on anymore. You've made yourself
2: susceptible. Um, It goes on in here. It says, The recommendations also state the process
0: can be improved by outsourcing complaints about the global senior pastor to an external independent investigator forming a single credentialing body providing psychological assessment for future candidates for ministry and developing a program to provide ongoing accountability and support for credentialed pastors. So here you go again, right? This is going to be uh, more misuse of your tide dollars coming yeah. from that <laughs> church, less souls reach
2: for Christ, more bureaucracy. Um, and what he's saying here, um, like is even bizarre according to the story. So they're bolstering
0: this church governance board, they're bolstering it to 10 bodies now, 40% women. But now they're saying, yeah, but when it comes to the lead pastor, we gotta outsource that to an exe- to an independent investigator. Well, then what's the board for?
1: That's right. Why
0: can't the board do this? Like, wow. And what's crazy this is literally the Australian government being like, we just want Hillsong to give us more of their money. So we'll have these independent investigation boards, you know, they'll sign like, it's just, it's madness. Um, But again, they're signing off on this. And what I think is so important about this story is I think this is going to be coming to a church near you very soon, unless you do something about it. Um, And like Hillsong, the more compromised your church is and its leadership is, the easier it's going to be for Satan to get his hooks into you. Um, and this is just my, you know, opinion here. Obviously, it's my podcast, but it's my opinion. Um, but the closer you try to make your church look like the world, and it looks like the world, the more susceptible your church will be to failures, and ultimately, this DIE um, driving a nail into your ministry's coffin. The more you try to appease the world and make the world like you, you're just naturally going to drift into sin. You're going to naturally drift away from God, and you're just going to make yourself open and susceptible to this sort of thing happening. And once it does, once you're compromised, you're going to fall into this trap. Like you can almost see the bricks being laid for how these megachurches, which will probably be the first ones to fall because they like to, to, mm-hmm. appease, to the, or appease the world and look like the world um, a lot more. But like you can see the bricks being laid of how this diversity, inclusion, and equity is going to get its foothold in there, and you got no one else to blame but yourself. But man, did it come fast.
1: And it doesn't even matter when, you, when people see it fall, because people don't like to learn. They don't look back. On any even recent history to learn from it to not to follow that same way, I think they're just we're just gonna see them fall like dominoes. Yeah, like I mean, sadly, but that's just the way people are.
0: No, it is, and you could be blind and just say, bah, well, Hillsong, you know, they're a super secular, worldly, seeker-sensitive church. That ain't like us." You'd be a fool to say that. Like, you guys should be developing plans. If this isn't a regular talk between the elders and the pastors of your church, man, you are falling behind the curve. Like you need to be building in plans, discussing this, talking to your congregation about this sort of stuff. Yes. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? Yeah. Because, man, it is coming. We see it. The writing is on the wall. It's coming. So um, I could talk about this for a long time, but we got a lot more to get into. Do you have any final thoughts on Hillsong? Diversity, inclusion, and equity <clears throat> driving nails into the ministry coffins.
1: No, I'm sure we'll talk about it again soon as another oh, one. I'm sure.
0: Another <laughs> one bites the dust. I was
1: gonna say that was in my head. Another one bites the dust.
0: But also, yeah. we don't want to forget Pray for Hill Song. I mean, nobody's outside of God's reach. Right. But man, when you start partnering with satanic anti-Christ governments to figure out how best to run your church. I don't see any other result here to this. So pray for Hillsong. Um, But for our Bible topic for this week, um, like we mentioned earlier, I just wanted to recover um, and discuss the Tom jump interview that I did last week. And I do want to give a thank you for uh, to Tom for inviting me on his podcast or on his YouTube interview show. It wasn't a podcast, but, uh, and I appreciate him being cordial with me. He was a, a fine fella, no issues there, but I just kind of wanted to start with why I did the interview, um, because I am a awful debater. I'm terrible at debating because I don't think my mind operates in that way at all. Um, and I know that it doesn't, I've lived 37 years. I know that I don't have a debater's mind. Um, And that's really unlike so many in my family. You know, I listen, you can ask Nikki, I listen far more than I talk. I, and it's not because I don't want to talk. It's just like, I don't process that information. Like when people are just talking or asking questions quickly and stuff, like I need to process the information a lot slower. Um, It just, it takes me time to formulate my thoughts. And I think this is what, you know, makes some people great lawyers and others not, right? Um, I don't know the scientific way necessarily to describe it, um, but I think maybe certain people have more like neurological pathways, maybe opened up in their brain to where they can just retrieve information that's stored there a whole lot faster. Um, whereas, you know, other people, it just takes more time to retrieve that information, so to speak. They're not smarter, they're not dumber. It just takes more time to retrieve the information. I think um, it made me think of NFL quarterbacks, you know, or you know, really NFL quarterbacks, um, and how you know anybody that makes it to the NFL is super gifted physically, um, especially at the quarterback position. But what really makes a quarterback in the NFL great is the brain. You know, how quickly can you process information? Can you see what the defense is doing? understand how they're moving where they're moving in a split second like why is Tom Brady better than Lamar Jackson well it has nothing to do with physical gifts Lamar Jackson's a physical freak but Tom Brady I think he just has that brain where he can make these snap decisions kind of like a lawyer and I think that's what you would need um, if you're going to be a debater you know that sort of where someone can say something and you're able to retrieve information really quickly I don't have that. (laughs) I am much more of a... I think
1: a lot of people don't have that. So many people are like, oh, I should have said that when they brought that up. And I think it is really common. And the people who are like that, they... yeah, I don't know. They they can tend to look down on those who don't have an answer right away, but...
0: Right, and it does certainly make you look, you know, less intelligent in the moment, right? Um, And I knew that that was... I was going into... uh, when I went on the show, he's got hundreds of videos. This is what he does. He debates people on the topics of religion. I don't do that. Was I've never really done like that.
1: A, it wasn't really like a debate. It wasn't a
0: debate. It was a question answer sort yeah. of a thing. But you know what I mean? Like I ask a question, but then I'm going to rebut what you say. But he didn't kind of tell a you ahead
1: of time what he was going to ask. They were just things that popped yeah, into his head. more fit, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, but either way, I mean, whatever. He could have told me what he wanted. And in the moment, again, it just takes me more time to formulate. So I knew that going in, um, I knew it wasn't going to be great, because I just don't think that well. Um, but I went on first, because I was invited, you know, I don't know how he found me, I don't know why he invited me on. But they sent me an email asking if I would come on. So I said, Sure, you know, if you're asking me to come on, I have no reason to say no, other than I'm not good at it. But that shouldn't stop you from trying things, right? So. I just went on. And then the second reason, um, I went sort of specifically to hear things that I don't normally hear. Um, See things, hear things that I don't normally hear and see. Uh, Because like most of us, you know, I live in my little bubble and it's a religious bubble. And I'm aware of that. So again, I knew I wasn't going to look great on this and that's okay. Um, I'm fine with looking like an idiot. Again, Tom does this, you know, Almost, I think, three, four times a week, it seems like he has videos that come out. Um, And then again, he speaks very heavily, like most atheists do, in the scientific realm. Um, And I am not very smart (laughs) in science, especially in biology, physics, those sorts of things. I can't speak very intelligently there. So I knew it was going to be sort of a a bad situation for me, but those are the reasons why I went. Um, So. Yeah, I don't know. Nikki was like, ah, maybe you shouldn't go. Like, let's make sure he's not just trying to, like, ambush you or something, which, again, I watched well, one or two he videos. Was polite. And he was polite.
1: I don't think all the comments are very polite from all his followers, which he knows that everybody, like, he knows the kind of comments, the things people are going to say. Well, I mean, it's an
0: atheistic show. I only looked so at, the like, the first three comments, atheistic but... And- Most atheists don't have much kind words to say about believers. When people start
1: like have like comments that just they're just immature and they're just like attacking and mocking, that shows you know their maturity level. It's
0: like yeah, but that's also social media, right? Like so, you take that with a grain of salt. Tom himself was very um, nice and pleasant. Uh, So whatever the people that watch it you know, makes no difference. That's just comments in the comment section. But right.
1: You can't help who's following Tom himself yeah. was
0: a, a nice fella. So I just wanted to go through sort of the questions, you know, he asked a lot of stuff and I don't remember it all, but just the stuff that stood out to me that I wanted to highlight that again, I'm not smart enough in the moment to really ponder on for very long. So we just thought we would kind of cover those here a little bit. And again, there's still not things that I have great answers for in every respect but just what i thought about it giving more time to think on it so um the first question that he asked really which you know made sense was why am i a christian right that was the first question um and the only point that i really got to mention you know i just kind of said hey well one of the main reasons i'm a christian right is we're sitting here we're here talking and the fact that we're here talking leads me to believe that we were created we didn't just end up here you know From nothing right and I made a mention of a John Locke quote um, which I like he says we are thinking and reasoning beings and therefore a thinking and reasoning being had to have created us Um, which I like that quote it makes sense to me and then that really once you know I made that point um, that's really where the first 15 to 20 minutes of the interview kind of went, I think, kind of straight into that science realm. So was he asking created, then who's the creator? Well, there's a bunch of people that say they're the creator. Right. All right, well, now let's narrow that down. Yeah,
1: because if he just asked, why do you believe in God? Then that answer you gave fits. But if you say, why am I a Christian? Then you can say, because God opened my eyes. Like you put it, it's in God's hands. Right. I
0: said that later, and we'll touch on that okay. a little bit later. Um, Cause I did make that point a little bit later on, but I think yeah, this was just more kind of like, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in a God kind of a thing? Okay. Um, but we kind of delved into that science realm from there, more into, you know, creation, more of the evolution realm type stuff, right. That you're going to talk about. And the point uh, that stands out to me in that first 15 to 20 minutes, really, um, he made mention that uh, like what makes our intelligence different from a or different from a tornado or a crystal forming, I think was kind of what he said, and I'm very loosely paraphrasing here, so um, you know, don't think this was Tom jumps. Uh, that's a very weird word. question. <laughs> but then he also indicated that you know our brains are like computers, um, which you hear that very often, um, and I just don't think that's true. You know, I think computers are like our brain, right? They're modeled after our brains, but our brains are not like computers, I don't think. Um, Because a computer is essentially an input-output device. Right, Um, What you put in is what you get out, right? And you tell it, based on what I put in, I tell you what I want you to put out. Um, That's kind of the way a computer works. And uh, I don't think that's the way our brain works. Um, At least it would seem to me. You know, I think our brains are able to create worlds out of words, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're able to bring things into existence that never existed before. Um, You know, we're able to ponder and create that in our mind. You know, our brains are able to like create connections with other people and other things. It's really
1: weird that you have to explain that to someone like these days that we're not like a computer.
2: Well, and I mean... And it makes sense, right,
0: in some aspect where you're like, you know your brains are like a computer, right? like just you know uh chemicals come together and it makes a process, and you know in a computer, you know you electricity into a transistor, and it makes a process and but I don't think what our brains create is the same thing, no. um, you know, and again, not super smart to dive into the neuroscience of it all um and I do get. His point, you know, that our brains are made of the same things, right? The same chemicals, the same uh, molecules and material as a crystal, as a tornado, right? It's just elements in our existence that make up our brain. But I think what it produces is something different and something of a higher order. um, That's really as deep as I can delve into it. Um, You know, our minds were created with. like a creator, right? And uh, we've been given those minds that can ponder the higher things. And, you know, I think consciousness is something that's different than...
1: conscious. I really think it it sounds silly to be comparing your mind to a tornado or a crystal. I really don't understand why that's something anyone would have a question about.
0: Well, but then it does maybe sound silly. But again, when you're talking about a debate stage, it's who can make the argument more cohesively, which is, again, why I'm not good at it. First off, I don't understand science to that level. Um, And then even in that moment, I can't really, I mean, even here, right? I can't explain to you much deeper than why I believe our brains operate at a higher, different level. But a
1: tornado is a simple thing. We know how tornadoes are made.
0: Right. But I think the point with that is a tornado, you know, it comes together from forces, from elements in nature you know that come together to produce a tornado, which would be the same thing in his mind producing our brain. It's elements and chemicals coming together.
1: It's wind, current, pressure. That's not in our brain, so I don't see the connection.
0: Sure, it's a natural process. I think, in a sense, it, that makes both to him. Again, I'm I'm speaking for him, and I shouldn't be, but that is what <laughs> I'm understanding him to say. Right, so. <clears throat> That was kind of the first point there and again I can't speak the science lingo so that was really as best I could do um and I still can't speak the science lingo but um next point that he brought up he asked basically why science and the sciences seem to be so heavily one-sided with atheistic minded folks um and listen I'm not sure that that's even true um you know It certainly seems that way. But again, I haven't seen numbers. I don't work in the science field. So I'll take his word for it. Um, But then again, just because science seems so heavily slanted in one direction doesn't, in fact, mean that it's more um, one sided with atheistic people. You know, um, even if the evidence, you know, looks like it might be, and it makes me think of like the COVID pandemic, right? over the last two years, or even the climate change narrative over the last 50 years, um, that you know, just because the, what you hear and the information that comes out um, always points in one direction, doesn't necessarily mean that that's like the true direction or that that's what everybody thinks. It's just like, it's the government approved
2: narrative. Mm-hmm. That's what gets out. That's what you're told. Um,
1: I think what's, yeah, definitely was science. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
0: that was kind of what he asked me. And I think, you know, the answer that I gave him, uh, I think I'm fine with it here still. Uh, Although I didn't make this mention of this quote, but there's a great quote by C.S. Lewis. And he says, the notion that everyone would like to accept or would like Christianity to be true, and therefore all atheists are brave men who have accepted the defeat of all their deepest desires is simply impudent nonsense. Um, So basically saying like, don't believe the idea that like, well, because a lot of atheists will say this, right? Like, well, I've read the Bible, and I used to be, and I just came to realize through reason, whatever happens to be, and now I'm an atheist. And C.S. Lewis is going, don't believe that they've all searched the ends of the earth, and this is what they've come up with. Um, So I think what I told him what there was that, uh, I think people naturally go where their biases take them. I think Mm -hmm. that that's, natural right like if when you don't like god um and you don't you know the bible doesn't satisfy you in your search for meaning and like the answers to the universe i think you'll go elsewhere i think that's your natural bias is going to lead you there and mm. um i would guess on a simple level uh this is why science tends to be more atheistic i would say the people there really want to find a reason apart from an intelligent designer um, why they're here. Right. And again, I also think our human brains are powerful enough. So if you go looking hard enough, you're going to find the answers that you want to find. I think that plays a large role in it. Um, it
1: appeases the minds of people who think like you, who are just searching for something outside the Bible for those questions.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's why I think they congregate there together. I mean, it would make sense. And plus, yeah, you go where you're comfortable, right? So you're not going to, most people aren't going to take jobs and careers in the lion's den. Um, Some do, but yeah, I mean, I think your natural biases lead you into these certain fields. Um, So again, that makes sense to me. I think that's how I kind of answered in there, even though it might not have been uh, as well laid out, I guess, if it was even well laid out here. But I think another important point to this, um, I also think you know, that a lot of what we're told in regards to um, or told about science, really in a lot of areas of our life, is things that we could only be told today, um, if this makes any sense. So kind of touching back to computers again, like so much of what we've come to know in science, and I'll touch back on the medical science again, um, you know, COVID, what that taught us. Um, so much of it's based on computer models and equations. Uh, and I think this is you know definitely true when you start talking about geology and physics where you can't actually test the things that you're testing because they don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's stuff that used to exist, It's no longer here per se, so you can't test it. So it's computer models, it's equations that's coming up with a lot of this information that we read. Um, and there's this great quote from Nikola Tesla, and again, makes sense to me when I look at this, and he says uh, Today's scientists have substituted mathematics for experiments, and they wander off through equation after equation and eventually build a structure which has no relation to reality. And again, that to me is evolutionary biology. Um, And I think really the advent and sort of the explosion of computers has only exacerbated this issue. Um, Because you can run equations to no end with any amount of information. And any amount of equation to come up with the, you know, the outcome, you know, that you're looking mm-hmm. for. Um, again, we've seen this in medicine, right? Keep going back to COVID. But that's a lot of what the initial lockdowns were based on was computer models and data on what's going to happen based on whatever. And it proved to be wrong, right? It, it proved yeah. to be wrong. So the best a,
1: scientists were wrong.
0: <laughs> we see the same thing in climate change, right? Yeah. A lot of the models and a lot of the hysteria on climate change is based on computer models. They're,
1: they're guessing. Yeah.
0: Well, they're guessing in a sense, but I mean, it's just input and output, right? You're taking information, you're putting it into a computer and you're getting output. So that computer is only going to output what you give it. And that's going to be the data yeah. and the equation. So if either of those are wrong, it's going to give you bad well, data. it's
1: based on a guess, yeah, it all really is. So what I'm again, saying. you
0: could say, well, medicine got it wrong. Climate change gets it wrong. It's not unlikely that evolutionary biology gets it wrong from time to time as well. That makes sense to me. Um, and then just the last point on this. Um, That I made, and I still feel good about it. And um, is the point that, you know, just because I don't know a lot of science, uh, there are Christian men and women in the sciences.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And even if they're a minority, again, I don't know if that's true or false, I'm assuming it's true, Uh, but they have no problem making science and faith work together. So just because I can't explain how something works doesn't mean it can't be explained. And I think about this in religion as well. You know, people have questions about the Bible and why did God do this or that in the Old Testament? Just because I can't give you an answer doesn't mean like, well, God's not real then because I can't, no, somebody has the answer. It's
1: okay to say, I don't know.
0: I don't know, I'll find it. And again, Mm -hmm. that's why, praise God for men who have devoted their lives to searching out this information. Um, But Going back to the science, and I think this should be something that gives everybody comfort when you're talking to someone who is very, and most, all atheists, by and large, are very
1: scientific
0: because Mm -hmm. that's their best argument is science. Um,
1: At least they're looking to something, though. I mean, what if they didn't care to even, you know, they're an atheist that doesn't think about Science well, and those exist kind of for sure.
0: They're more nihilist, right? Where it's just like, ah, screw it. Nothing matters. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, there are, yeah. You know, and even atheists would call those guys idiots. Um, but I think when you're faced with these questions, saying I don't know is perfectly fine. Like, hey, look, man, I'm not a biologist, but I know that there are Christian biologists out there. And in fact, that's going to be our podcast recommendation, a wonderful podcast recommendation where an interview um, with a molecular biologist from a young earth creation, intelligent design perspective. So um, they exist. And just because I can't answer why our brain is different than a tornado or a crystal, I bet he could, right? So those people exist. And that gives me confidence. So I think that was a legitimate answer, even if I didn't say it that well at the time. Um,
2: Yeah, I don't know. But somebody does. And I'm all right, I'll go find the answer when I have time. Um, I also think we discussed at some point, um, why someone should
0: believe in Christianity. Um, And I think what I told him kind of to your point that you mentioned earlier, You know, why should someone believe? And I said, I don't think that's the right question. I don't think it's a should or shouldn't. I think it's a do you or don't you believe? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jesus says his sheep hear his voice. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So again, to me, that makes sense. Why someone like Tom Jump, for example, that would have hundreds of conversations with Christians about the gospel and different things and doesn't believe, well, you aren't a sheep. So it would make sense why you wouldn't believe.
1: Um, yeah you can look at it from that way but why should you but for someone who is a sheep how would they answer that like if someone who's listening you're like you need to repent like god commands all people everywhere to repent and it isn't like it is for the sheep it's like they have that great burden of sin and they want it removed that's why you should It's not like you're just becoming a Christian. It's that Christ set me free from this burden.
2: Right.
1: It's not that you became like this title Christian. You should, so you don't go to hell. You should.
2: You should believe.
1: I mean, you can say it either way, but for the one who is the sheep, that's how you... You don't know if they are, but I think you should. Right, and that would be like the uh,
0: why should you believe? Like, what is your heart telling you? You don't need an equation to tell you when you feel that weight of sin on you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel that, that's the Holy Spirit pulling you, right, leading you. Um, so you don't need a, a mathematical equation to prove that to you. You know, that's that weight on your heart is not the same as a tornado, right? Um, so that's why you should believe. Uh, When you read the gospels and you have ears to hear, don't dismiss it. Right. When you feel that tug on your heart, that's a reason why you should believe. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but I do think that point that if you were like, because even the, you know, Jesus told the disciples, right. When you go to a person's house and you share the you know, or you go out and you share the gospel and they don't receive you knock the dust off your shoes and go, He doesn't Mm -hmm. tell you, like, no, you sit in that house and you answer every argument. And you, no, he's like, you share the gospel and you move on. There's more people that you need to share the gospel with. You can't just waste your time. Not to say that you should dismiss everybody the second they decline the gospel, but, you know, those who have ears to hear will hear and those who don't won't. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do think. You didn't stay in
1: towns that long.
0: No. And I think, um, he doesn't tell us right. To just find your lost sinner and you just cling to him like glue until he comes to the Lord. I mean,
2: that doesn't exist. Right. Right, So, um, the last big point that we discussed, um,
0: and he mentioned something and it kind of goes, uh, with our previous point here, but he made mention something about himself. Uh, I think kind of in the vein of me believing in in Christianity and stuff like that. And he made the point about himself that whenever he has an inkling or he starts to believe something, he wants to go and search out the other side of the issue um, to basically find the flaws and see if there's some truth to it.
1: I was going to say something on that, and I forgot you were going to bring it up again.
0: Yeah, well, if you have a point, yeah, please jump in. Yeah,
1: like anybody who... I was thinking, why would you do that? Are you afraid to believe in case there's something... Wrong that someone can point out that you were wrong? Are you just afraid of being found out wrong? Are you afraid of looking foolish? Like, it's okay to believe something and then go back and say, I made a mistake. I was wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it a fear of failure? Is it a fear? It's kind of like a perfectionist, but like a fear you're afraid of looking like a fool. Like, that is the total opposite of faith, what they're doing, though.
2: It is. Well, and that's kind of the
0: irony of science, I suppose, because whatever you believe in today is going to be different later, yeah, you right? Could because check science all the facts, is always going to be changing. You could, yeah,
1: you could be right today, and then tomorrow you could be totally wrong because...
0: And I made mention yeah. of that to him about a book that I read years ago called Measuring Eternity. And it wasn't religious or secular it was just kind of looking at all different understandings of how old the universe was Is what they were looking at Um, you know from the time when it was just religious views and then it moved into science and all you really learn from it is well it just always keeps getting older right the more we move into science and evolution's taken over and it's got to get older to make evolution work and so yeah You know, you might say, well, I believe in science, which essentially means I know that what I believe today is not going to be the standard tomorrow, but I'll just believe in that tomorrow as well.
2: That's true. Um,
0: So it's a weird issue, but, you know, I don't think that that point um, is, I don't think it's uncommon for people to say. I think people do say that a lot that, oh, I like, you know, even in politics, they're like, oh, I like to read both sides to make sure. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> Everybody has their political biases. What it right? comes
1: down to is they have a faith in something that is changing. We have a faith in something that is not changing. Our faith is always the same. Right. That's the main difference. Like that, That's just shaky ground. That's really, that's really crazy when you look at it that way.
0: Right. And I think I kind of made that point to him in a sense, because it's faith on both ends. Um
1: but his but, faith is in something that has been proven not to be true over and over again, back and forth, back and forth. And knowing that, why would you still put your faith in it?
0: Right. Well, he would say, well, you're putting your faith in something that we've proven is untrue in the Bible. So I think Ooh. both of us would be making that claim here. But I think the idea,
2: because um, I had two points on this, and I think we live in a time um, When we can get access to great intellectuals um, from
0: all walks of life, and, you know, we can get experts from a myriad of fields, and, you know, thanks to the internet, we can just sort of peruse their work at our leisure, Um, you know, and I think this gives us a false sense of knowledge, you know, and I I did make this point to him, and I still feel good about it, you know, because I think it takes decades to become an expert in something, decades. Uh, Whatever the field of study is, right? Whether that's science, whether that's religion. If you want to talk about sports, it takes decades to become what an expert is. It takes study. It takes experience. All those sorts of things to become an expert. So just by reading a study that a brilliant neurologist does, uh, you know, he puts out, that does not in fact mean that you know what the neurologist means or what the neurologist knows. You know what he tells you. But you don't know all the background information, all the knowledge that went in to performing whatever this study was um, that brought him to this conclusion. So like you said, in essence, you know, so many folks in our society, they're literally living by faith, Um, uh, you know, whatever the expert is telling them. So they might claim we're foolish because we're just putting our faith in this Bible. But they're quite literally doing the same thing with these other experts. Because while there is neurologists out there who may understand it, 99% of the world isn't a neurologist. So when they read a study that a neurologist expert from Stanford or Yale puts out, they don't know what the neurologist knows. They're just taking his word for it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first point. Um, And I think that's valid because I think our access to information can trick us into having more faith or a stronger belief in something than we really ought to have. Um, because we can do stuff like that where we go, well, I'm going to go and look at both sides. And I'm going to read all this information about whatever it is, planetary movement, without actually doing any of the real work to understand the science behind it. I'm just going to get the wave tops, and I'm going to formulate an opinion.
1: You know, it's weird, because it's not really like you believe one way because you were brought up that way. Because there's people who believe in Jesus who are brought up in an atheistic home and the opposite is true. So that's how, you know, like salvation is of the Lord. Like people usually follow what they're taught, but when it comes to salvation, yeah, that's, that's just of the Lord. Like that's something you can't explain.
0: And you know? I think it's even bad inform- like, I would not suggest that to be the model for somebody. I would tell you to learn something. And I think this is what I told him. This is why I'm going to seminary. Like, you really need to learn the material before you can go about tearing it down. Because if I just learn some surface- level verses and a couple of, you know, ideas about Jesus and I go, "Nah, none of that's real." Yeah. Well, I don't really know what I'm dismissing, right? So
1: how did he disprove? Christianity or God, if he's not even doing what you're attempting to do?
0: Well, and again, I, I don't know what he's done, or he hasn't done. I just, this is more of a broad idea for most people. I, because, again, you can't be an expert in evolutionary biology, plus an expert in religion or Christianity, plus an expert in Islam, plus an expert in, you know, physics, you can't be an expert in all that you kind of have to pick one Don't like fields
1: of study for work. Like this is talking about eternal life. This is totally different.
0: (laughs) It is in a sense, but that's where you sort of make your stand is what you've learned and come to. And again, I think that's what your bias is going to steer you towards. Um, So I think that's how they sort of play together. But the second part of this that he mentioned um, is this idea of kind of trying to tear something down or sort of tear it apart. I don't think it is really true for very many people. They may say it, but I don't believe it to be accurate for very many people. Um, again, because we have our biases, I think the odds are that you won't wholeheartedly sort of go into to the, uh, the contrary information to sort of tear down what your biases naturally lead you to. Some people will. But I think more common is if you have a bias towards something, whether that be religion or even if it's a certain religion, if I'm biased towards Christianity, the odds that I'm going to really dive 100% into Islam with the same fervor and be- is just unlikely, right? So mm. I may go and research it, but it's more going to be researched to validate my points. I think mm-hmm. that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think an atheist is any different. They're not smarter right. and at a higher plane than everybody else. You know, I made the point, I think, when I was talking to him about um, being married to Nikki. You know, I tried to make the point like, hey, I love Nikki. I know that I love Nikki. Um, but I'm pretty certain that if you just told me for the next two weeks, I want you to go sit in that room with a dark pen and a, you know, in the dark with a pen and a paper and just write down all the reasons why she drives you nuts, why she makes you mad, what she's done to disappoint you or, hurt you in the past. We've been together for 17 years, we could probably each write a long list. Right? And I could maybe even bring myself to the point of like, maybe I don't love Nikki anymore. Right? But the thing is, is like, it's not that I love her. It's also that I want to love her. So I'm not going to let myself go down that road of pity party and what she did wrong. Instead, I'm going to focus on all the things I like about her, right? Not dismissing the things, but I'm just sort of not focusing on them. And again, I think that's our human bias. Um, So again, if you don't believe in God, you know, it's most likely that you don't want to believe in God, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, so you're either consciously or unconsciously going to avoid looking at or accepting the truths that point to God. And I think, again, this is why they're so heavily focused on science, because science proves the natural. So they're like, I need something that proves the natural to prove the supernatural. You're like, well, the natural can't prove the supernatural. At least we haven't found any way to do it right um, that I know of. But again, there may be someone out there. So I think that that idea of like, why do you just dive into something that you believe without determining whether it's true or false first? I just don't think that's real for people. I don't think that's the way... I don't think you could live your life that way, or else you'd just be stuck in a room paralyzed with the idea of having to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want for dinner? Pizza? Well, hold on a second. What if I really want a hamburger? Oh, but what if I really want fish? You know, what if the hand, like, you don't do that, you know? And I don't think it's natural. Um,
1: it is weird. So again, I
0: feel okay being like, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's where my my heart is, that's where my desires lie. So I'm not going to naturally. It doesn't mean I ignore the other side. I mean, I went on his channel, right? I heard mm-hmm. some of the things. But I'm not gonna be, you know, pretend to be, you know, arrogant enough to be like, oh, of course I fully looked in. No, I mean, I kind of hear him and I I don't give them the full measure that I do like when I'm reading scripture.
1: Yeah. Just the same
0: as when they're reading.
1: It would have been a very long
0: show. I just don't think yeah. it's natural. I don't think I anybody think handles it that it way. It just
1: comes down to like What I said, like, you know, it it comes down to like morality. Like, you know, there's right and wrong in called sin. And we know there's a creator because of creation. It's not just that things exist, but there's the details. Like, there's beauty in creation. There's goodness in creation. Like, there's loveliness about it. You look around and you're like, how can you... Look around at creation and not be completely amazed by it, the wonder of it. Like, you can't figure it out. There's so many things in nature that are just like people don't know how to recreate it. You know what I mean? Like, if we were all connected from the same, like atoms and Big Bang, like we'd be able to replicate everything every other animal does. We'd all share that little bit of DNA and figure it out but like bees make honey they make a really cool shape the honeycomb birds make nests people can't even figure out how to make a nest like a a beehive and all this like that alone doesn't blow your mind and make you think there's there's a god who did this this is intelligent i can't comprehend it people can boast about you know being a chemist they don't have it figured out these things in nature, like how did that creature make that? I don't know. My mind is blown away at nature and I'm like, it points to a creator. It's too wonderful. And, right. and it's sad to think that the atheist isn't wowed by creation in that way and just doesn't give it, like they don't appreciate it. And who's the credit go to? It goes to what? What? not god for them
0: well again and that's where i think the bias comes in right so when i as a christian walk around the world blown away by it it's hard to dismiss that it must have been created whereas if your bias is i i'm not going to accept that this was created by a god then you would walk around and go boy i wonder how that could have been created apart from a god right so you're going to go and look for answers and i think again, our brains are smart enough and our um, technology is advanced enough that we can kind of come to these answers. So um, I think that to me, you know, sense in my brain. So, uh, and, you know, when you listen to this podcast, if you go and listen to our sermon recommendation at the end, he kind of makes note of this, that, you know, once they uh, mapped out the human genome and the DNA sequences, you know, he's like a single strand of like, human DNA is, because like it gets 10 gigabits of information. Like it's something no human house, without technology could ever read and comprehend. So even that, like we have to have the technology to be able to even understand, you know, it, it's not possible without it. So uh, he's a very smart fella, Harvard, um, biologist. So uh, the last point here, though, because I know we're probably running long that I want to highlight Um, Is one that I think this is the one point that I would like to get back (laughs) that I don't think I answered as well as I should have. Um, It was the question at the end, you know, some people from the live stream asked question, and I don't remember the exact question, but it was something to the effect of why should I live a Christian life, or like why should I adhere to Christianity, Um, something to that effect, and um, I think I said something like, "Well, you shouldn't. You know, if you don't believe in Christ, then you shouldn't." Uh, I can't remember, you know, all that I said or exactly how the answer went, but I don't think that well on the fly, <laughs> and I don't like that answer all that much because um, I think the point that I was trying to get across was kind of the idea of faking it till you make it. I don't think that's the proper way to go. Um, you shouldn't fake your Christianity until you make it. You, know, you either believe or you don't. I think was kind of where my mind was going, but you know, I think if I could have that back. You know, my point would be, you know, that first and foremost, God's laws aren't just for Christians to adhere to. They're for the whole world to adhere to. Now, whether you want to adhere to them or not, that's your decision, right? Um, But that's what you're going to be judged by at the end um, when you stand before the white throne of judgment. We're all going to be judged the same on the same set of laws, the same standard. So that's why you should adhere to it first and foremost. But then, secondly, just from a more human perspective, you know, even if you want to say secular perspective, is I think Christianity has proven to be the best way for civilization to live and thrive in this world. Um, You know, a sort of a citizenry that kind of collectively lives by these um, Christian standards, even if they're loosely Christian, um, Christian morals and virtues. I think that's proven to be the best way for a nation to thrive, especially when you bring in people from all different walks of life
1: yeah I so agree.
0: I think those two reasons I, I think were better than my initial mm-hmm. initial response there but again uh, have some mercy on me I'm not that smart and uh, I don't think that quickly so that was kind <laughs> of the big you know points that really stuck out to me in the interview uh, we'll have the interview linked in the show notes if you care to go give it a, a listen again thank you to Tom um, no hard feelings not trying to Deride Tom in any way. He seemed like a nice fella. Um, he's at least out there talking and asking the questions, I guess. So, uh, you know, no, never stop praying for somebody. You know, hopefully God could, you know, he would, said he was raised Catholic, I think, in one of his previous episodes. So, you know, you can't say he was ever even raised in a Christian household. Um,
1: that does not mean it's not Christian. So, you know, pray for him and
0: um, nobody's outside of God's reach. And we'd love to see Tom jump into the Christian fold, It'd be a, a marvelous occurrence. So um, do you have any last thoughts on anything that we talked about before we dive into sermon recommendation? No, go ahead. All right. So as I mentioned, this is one of our brethren over at the Christian podcast community, which we highly recommend that you guys uh, go and give a follow to. And this was from a show called Echozo Radio. And it's with this fella named Andy Olson. But the specific episode is this right here. Dr. Nathaniel think is what he said, Jensen, And it's in response to a book that he wrote called Traced. So this Nathaniel Jensen, he works at Answers in Genesis. Um, before that, I believe he worked at the... Um, uh, a different place. that did sort of creation research, Institute for Creation Research, I believe. Um, Harvard biologist, I believe, and he wrote this book called Traced. And I don't want to um, sully his hard work by giving you a terrible description of the book, but he explains it in the podcast. And again, he's just you know making the argument really, and he makes it better than I ever could. Right, that evolution doesn't actually answer the questions that evolution says it does. And he makes the point in there that evolutionary biology sort of um, they change the science to fit their narrative, um, and they have ever since you know evolution really came about, right? They've been sort of taking the science that presents itself, and then they just make evolution fit into that science rather than making the science sort of prove evolution. It, he'll explain it better, mm. but he makes the case that creation or creationism actually fits what they're finding in science and the genome and DNA, much better than evolutionary biology can explain it. So um, again, just because you don't have the answers, there are people out there that do have the answers. And uh, Nathaniel Jensen is at least somebody who's saying they do have the answers. So go give that podcast a listen, give them a like, a follow, thumbs up, nice review and all that for all his hard work. And go buy that book. We'll have links in the show notes. Those are affiliate links to christianbooks.com. Not that anti-Christ uh, warehouse known as
2: Amazon. So, um, But that is all we got for today. Do you have any last thoughts, honey?
1: Nope. I do want to get the book, though.
0: <laughs> yep. Anyways, we will be back on Monday with Daily Devotionals. And uh, back next I think we're gonna kinda kick off maybe going into like fifteen episodes talking about sort of salvation, kind of our plan for the next what was that, almost four months. We'll see how that holds up. Anywho, I'll talk to you guys later. God bless.